You're listening to DraftKings Network. I don't know if I was ever wondering why Third Eye Kai wears number 11, but I'm so glad that I know now. Ashley Shamadi did a, a great report the other night. Well, actually, the Nets were in town in Charlotte, North Carolina. She explained the thinking behind Kyrie Irving, his selection to wear number 11. And here it is. All right, guys, I know we love a good numbers game, or at least Eric Collins, I know you do. So how about this for Kyrie, the reason that he wears number 11? It's a huge significance in his life. He has multiple reasons. He was born at 111. His dad wore number 11 when he played college ball at Boston University. Kyrie Irving is exactly 11 letters long. Even the letter K is the 11th letter of the alphabet. And after playing a total of 11 games at Duke due to injury, he was drafted pick one of round one in 2011. He even scored his 11,000 points on. on the 11th of March. No. Yes. <laughs> wow. Kept getting better and better Good and better. Peeling the layers. Oh, my goodness. This really felt like an episode of the rehearsal. I mean, listing it all out like that, back to back, <laughs> the significance of the numbers. But, Tom, I'm going to remind you that earlier this year, we had another NBA player express his affection for the number 11. Oh, yeah. Clay Thompson. Let's give everybody a refresher on that, just in case. I was drafted in 2011. I was the number 11th pick. K is the 11th letter in the alphabet. I think 11 is just my life number. It just continues to follow me. I just think it's a great number. 11 for the win. 2011 draft, what a time. Would you rather be the number one pick in the 2011 draft or the number 11 pick in the 2011 draft if your favorite number is 11? I think it's got to be 11th pick. Right? If you're going with first pick, it's a little bit of a cheat there. But it's the first pick in the first round. 11. Yeah. It reminds <laughs> me of the movie, The Number 23. Future Where he sees things that show up and the numbers always add up to 23. And then at some point it's like, and then, then the numbers added up to 32, which if you flip <laughs> becomes 22. Like, mm, I don't know. That's not how that works. I get it. The whole, my dad wore 11 makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. He was born at one eleven, So it kind of, you could do one or 11 there, right? You can go both ways. Was he born at one eleven in the morning? Mm. Because he was born in the afternoon. He's actually born at 13, 11. Oh, it's true. Falling apart. Now, had he been born at 11, 11, different story, different Instagram story. I don't think he's gone far enough, really. I think if you look at his bio or his basketball reference page, you see, uh -huh. 11 is all over it. He's in his 11th season. Do you know that? So is Clay Thompson. Yeah, because they both same draft, 2011. Here's my question. Is the number 11 retired in Cleveland? Why did he wear two then? Yeah, because he wore one at Duke. And apparently that was a big deal that Duke allowed him to wear number one. Is one retired or something? I don't know why. It's some hallowed thing. Someone mentioned that maybe Big Z. Oh, yeah. 11 is retired for Cleveland. So he couldn't wear that. And Daniel Gibson wore number one. That's wow. Can't go boop to booby. You know, can't do it. He's 6'2", which six feet, two inches, mm -hmm. 74 inches, mm -hmm. seven Plus four, I mean, is what? Is 11. He was born in Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. Uh -huh. How many letters in Melbourne? 11. No, it's it's actually nine. Okay. I thought you were going to say Melbourne, Australia, which is 11 hours Ooh. ahead of Eastern Standard Time, but I don't believe that's correct. We'll go with it. Australia, also nine letters. 
He went to high school at St. Patrick's in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Elizabeth, it sounds like 11. By the way, Melbourne, Australia, 11 hours ahead of GMT, Greenwich Mean Time. I'm back in on this. Hold on. <laughs> Whoa, full circle. <laughs> yeah. Two cities, Melbourne, Australia, with nine letters, nine plus two. 11. My favorite one is 11,000th point on the 11th of March. That was crazy. I don't even know if that's true. Well, I mean, Ashley said it, so it has to be true. She's a great reporter, so I'm not questioning the accuracy of that report. But I had to look this up because I was like, when would that have happened? How many points does he have? He has 14,797 points in his career, Kyrie Irving. I think he would have gotten 11,000 points after he chose the 11 as his jersey. Yeah, but the idea is that it's not like he timed it that way. It just so happened to happen on, or maybe he did time it. He didn't time it. Hold on, no, think about this. All the time he's taken off, maybe it was because he knew, hey, if I play these games, I'm going to hit 11,000 way before the 11th of a certain month. Maybe his math was off. He should have done it on November 11th. It could have been three. Third eye Kai. How many eyes are there in Kyrie Irving? 11. Three. Keep the third eye open. Or your 11th eye. We're back, baby. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. Now you've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haverstrow, and as always, I am joined by the five-star generals, the co-presidents of the Illumination, Amin Al-Hassan, and producer Anthony Mays. Fellas, it's good to be back. Is it? Oh, sorry, that's the wrong show. New year, <laughs> new pod. New stuff to talk about. It's been a while. I mean, we took the week off last week. I mean, we didn't take it off. We've been in the lab working on some things in the lair undisclosed location you might have opened your third eye on a christmas day report involving james harden and his wishes this summer mm -hmm. we are going to pry open that third eye mm. so that you can see if you were blind you can see what's actually going on in that report we'll get into that later in the program but first Are listening to the agenda with Tom Haberstrow and Amin El Hassan. Seventy-one, Amin Mays. If you kind of take the seven and shave off the top of it a little bit, well, let's not start this. <laughs> you get eleven in Cleveland. Think about it. 
maybe it was Kyrie Irving all along that propelled Donovan Mitchell to score 71 points, the most points that have been scored in an NBA game since Kobe Bryant did 81 in 2006. And wouldn't you have guessed it that Kyrie Irving is somehow taking credit for this? Did he? According to Tim Bontemps at ESPN, in the post game for the Brooklyn Nets last night, Kyrie Irving said he knew that he was going to go off for 71 points because they were playing Call of Duty. Kyrie Irving was playing Call of Duty with Donovan Mitchell, and he looked locked in. He was locked in yesterday. Guys, you know what that means, right? What's that? It means that all of his efforts were not unappreciated. And by him, I mean LeBron James. Yes. He has to feel like a proud papa watching Kyrie Irving take credit shit with an utter bullshit goddamn explanation. That's amazing. Still trying to wrap my head around this. So they played Call of Duty together, and I'm guessing Donovan Mitchell was getting a lot of headshots, maybe some streaks. Yep. And that, of course, translates directly to basketball skill. 71 in particular. He's locked in. He was locked in. All right. Well, there you go. If you spell out locked in, you know how many letters it is? 11. I don't know. <laughs> 71. No, it's eight. God. Doesn't quite work. But in my head, it works. Seven plus one equals eight. How about he's locked in? He's locked in is 11. And then Joe Varden at The Athletic just reported it wasn't Kyrie Irving that propelled Donovan Mitchell to score 71. It was actually Chuck Swirsky, the Chicago Bulls broadcaster. Why? What did Chuck say? Play it, Maze. I called Kobe's 81 point game when I was with the Raptors. Oh, so it was you. Yes. Because <laughs> Chuck Swirsky's only done two games in his career. Yeah, that's it. Nobody knows that. Two called Chuck. Two games. One was the Kobe 81 game, and the other was the Donovan Mitchell 71. So I don't know who to give credit to here. How much should Donovan Mitchell get actual credit for scoring 71? And how much is it Kyrie Irving? And how much do we give it to Chuck? Or the number 11, which seems to be responsible for everything. Yeah, that's true. I do like this erasure of Devin Booker. Yeah. He's now officially not one of the top 10 scoring games in NBA history as a result of this 71 points. Most points scored since Kobe 81. It's also the most points scored since Devin Booker 70. Yes. But we're just going to skip right over that by one point in overtime. Mm. Yes, because Devin Booker's out of the top 10. That's how numbers work. It's a conspiracy. Do you think Devin Booker is mad at the Bulls? Or Donovan Mitchell, or mad at anyone not grabbing that rebound. Yeah, I think he's mad at Rolo for doing such a good box out. That's it. Robin Lopez ironically had the tweet of the night about this, which is, I'm going to get it out of the way and point out that Donovan Mitchell and Robin Lopez combined for 72 tonight. Hashtag historic game. And then this morning, Donovan Mitchell quoted it and said, and just like that, we are drug tested this morning. <laughs> they got hit with the random. Him and Robin, of course. Maybe he deserves the credit because without that box out, the game doesn't go into overtime. Yeah. And he doesn't get the extra cushion to get to 71. Donovan Mitchell didn't do any of this. I'm sick and tired of Donovan Mitchell. It's all Robin Lopez. It's all Robin Lopez. Yep. He's been carrying this guy all season long and everyone keeps talking about Donovan Mitchell having a great year. Guess what? That's not happening in a vacuum. Robin Lopez, the no stats all-star. Did you coin that term? No, that was Michael Lewis. Oh. Same difference. Me and Mike. Mikey. <laughs> this is my New Year's resolution in 2023. I'm just going to start lying. I'm just going to start lying about stuff. 
Start? Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't feel like a new thing. I think you already lied on that lie. <laughs> Proclaim that you're going to lie. <laughs> yeah, he's doing well. I've never told a lie. Wait, wait. So Shane Battier was the no stats all-star. Robin Lopez feels like the same spirit as Shane Battier. Just doesn't jump, boxes out, does all the things, takes charges. Yep. But, you know, it wasn't just Robin Lopez, Kyrie Irving, Chuck Swirsky, that deserve credit. Do you know who also deserves credit in this? Who? Quinn Snyder. Okay. Oh. Now, walk me down this one. Donovan Mitchell said, we used to practice that missed free throw. Oh, yeah? And sure mm. enough, he was asked about it after the game, and here's what he said. I've done that in Utah. We went over that, and uh, we went over how to miss. Like, that's how, like, to detail, Quinn Snyder is how to miss. And, you know, um, just understanding that, you know, if I put it on the certain side, you know, Rolo's going to crash. I think it was J.A. and Rolo. I forgot what side they were on. But understanding that, that they're the they're the priority. you got to go in there and fight and compete. And they don't have two bigs to kind of go in there and com- compete with those two. Uh, and knowing that the guy has to come from behind me to box me out. So if I could just get it on the rim with some loft and take off and use my athleticism to get there, you know, make the play. Quinn Snyder's somewhere on a beach watching this and saying, ah, it's all me. 71. Put my name next to it. All right. So Kyrie Irving is responsible. Chuck Swirsky's responsible. Yep. Robin Lopez is responsible. Quinn Snyder's responsible. Anybody else? Call of Duty. Oh, I got another three. Three more people are responsible. The referees. Oh, sent to the free throw line 25 times, Tom. But more importantly, Billy Donovan very upset after the game, saying that they missed Donovan Mitchell jumping into the paint before he was allowed to on that free throw. I mean, that he can't penetrate that lane until the ball has hit the rim. Hit the rim. Yeah. It happened a couple games ago where DeMar DeRozan was fouled and the last two minute report said, look, we, we screwed that up Yeah, on the last second shot. It should have been a foul. It's against the Knicks, right? Yeah. And then here we are again, Billy Donovan saying, look, it's not the reason why we lost, but... But I mean, it played a role. He jumped into the lane. I'm with you, Billy. And then he said, you know, we should have done a better job boxing out. But still, that's a violation. Uncalled. You said three more people responsible. Do you have three more submissions or the three more people are the refs? The three are the refs. Tony Brothers, J.B. DeRosa was on that game. And then the third one was Suyash Mehta. So the three of them also in this pie of credit. Credit pie. For the makers of Blame Pie. Any others that we want to give credit to instead of Donovan Mitchell for 71? Mm. Now, I can't think of anyone else who was responsible for that 71. Joe Dumars. Uh, How is Joe Dumars responsible? I mean, what's going on with the league right now? Like, what is going on? This inflation in scoring? We got 71 from Donovan Mitchell. Clay Thompson go 54. Uh-huh. It's already forgotten about. Luka Doncic did 60, 21, and 10 like a week ago. And then came back a couple of days ago and had 51. Monday night, there were five players that scored 40 or more. And now I don't even feel like that's an accomplishment anymore. 40 is like at an okay night, right? Yeah. If you haven't scored 40 in an NBA game, are you even that good? Exactly. Joel Embiid, LeBron James. Yep. Think about this. Pascal Siakam dropped 52 points a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. which would have been the season high in 2011. It doesn't count anymore. It's off the leaderboard. Ah, 2011. Hell of a year. I mean, you can put a number on it, but I know you'll lie about it. Mm -hmm. How long have you been in and around the NBA? 20 years or so? 20 plus years. 23 years to be exact. What do you attribute this surge of scoring across the league? We got 71, 60. Joel Embiid's averaging like 33 a game. Luka Doncic is averaging 34 a game. 
some more numbers for you. We're on pace for 1130 point games this season. And the record is 886. So we're going to surpass on pace for more 30 point games, not just by a hundred, but 150, 250. Not going to ask you if that math is correct. Cause you'll lie about it. 40 points or more. We've had 87 so far this season. We're on pace for 191 and the record for 40 point games is 142. I'm Tom Haverstrow, and you're watching The Big Number. We're blowing through the individual scoring records, and the average team scores 113 points in today's NBA. That's the highest it's been since, like, the 60s. So is it Joe Dumars's fault? He comes on as the head of basketball operations. He's instituting some rules, or he's getting in some coaches' ears about not playing defense. Like, what is it that we can attribute this scoring surge across the league there's more to it you know i worked for the phoenix suns in 2009 2010 that year we ended up with i want to say the third best offensive rating in the history of basketball it's a lie and that was 115.3 points per 100 possession since then we've dropped all the way down to 26th we went from third to 26th and the majority of the performances that surpassed us all happened within the last three years, 2021, 21, 22, and the current 22, 23 season. So it's not just individual scoring efforts have been going up, but team scoring overall has gone up. And we're not talking about pace. This is not about, oh, the game is faster now or any of that stuff, because I think you can make an argument why the individual scoring records are up is because more possessions and obviously the ascent of the three-point usage there. But when you talk about just offensive efficiency, where 20 of the top 25 offensive ratings in NBA history have happened since the 2021 season. It's crazy. So you're right. That would indicate it is Joe Dumars or someone in the league's fault. I don't think Joe D was on the job in 2021. But yes, Adam Silver is responsible for Donovan Mitchell 71, for sure. We've tossed Joe Dumars aside. Because he wasn't there the whole time. I got a couple things here. So Donovan Mitchell had 71 points. And to your point about pace, pace is up. It's higher in the last few years than it has been. According to basketballreference.com, our trusty friends over there, the pace is 99.3 possessions this season. That's up just a tick 98.2 last season. But if you go back to 2005, the pace was 90. Okay. 90 possessions a game. So think about that 10 possessions a game more today than there was in the early 2000s in 1998. It was 90 possessions, 99, 88 possessions. And now we're at 99, but like the pace has been up for the last five years. It's been at hundred, hundred point three, 99. So like that hasn't changed this year, but I wanted to point out Donovan Mitchell, when he scored 71 on Monday night, he did it while being on the floor for 101 possessions. Cause he played just about every minute went into overtime when Kobe in 2006, I mean, maze mm -hmm. when he dropped 81, he did it in 85 possessions. <laughs> he dropped 81 points in 85 team possessions. Think about that. That's almost a point per possession that he's on the floor leading his offense. And now Donovan is at 71 
over 101. So there's pace. The game has changed. There's more possessions now than when Kobe hit the 81. But I also think it's almost impossible to defend very well right now. Like the rules and how fast the players are, how much space Eric Spolsha coined pace and space. I mean, it's been about a decade now since he moved Chris Bosch to the five and Shane Battier to not a decade, not a decade, 11, 11 years. years, right? True. True. But now with so much shooting and skill and off the dribble and all the drills that people do in the off season to get around opponents, there's so much skill. There's so much space. And there was a play the other night that blew my mind. It was golden state, New York at New York. Grimes was taking a three pointer and Jerome was contesting it Mm -hmm. and Quinn Grimes shot it, moved his foot up in the corner and landed on Ty Jerome's foot. Mm -hmm. But Ty Jerome went straight up and down and Quentin Grimes landed on his foot, but he landed very forward. Yes. And they called a foul on Ty Jerome for contesting the three being under his landing space. Not only that, they called a flagrant, right? I don't know how you're supposed to defend that. Just went straight up and down, got his hand up and Quentin Grimes put his leg forward, landed on it. They reviewed it. And Ed Malloy said that that was a flagrant foul. And at some point, you're just like, how are we supposed to legally defend? It seems like things have tilted so far for the offensive player that defenses are just like, I don't I don't know. I don't know how to stop these people. So to recap, we've got Kyrie Irving for sensing it in him while playing Call of Duty because he was locked in. We got Chuck Swirsky because he called the Kobe 81 game and he told Donovan Mitchell this. Mm-hmm. Robin Lopez being a no-stats all-star, giving the circumstances and environment for Don Mitchell to do this. Quinn Snyder for having him practice missing a free throw at the end of the game. We got the three referees for missing the fact that he lame violated. We got Adam Silver allowing offense to flourish to a point where it is indefensible. And we also have NBA rules in general, which make it hard to defend without being called for a flagrant foul. Anybody else who can claim credit for making this happen? Is it Luca? Because I did see someone on Twitter, I think it might have been actually Swaggy P, said, keep that same energy hyping up Donovan Mitchell's 71 as you did with Luca. So maybe there's a little bit of Luca inspiring Donovan Mitchell to get the same treatment in the media. I don't know if Luca gets it because Donovan Mitchell hasn't been in the MVP conversation as loudly, but I do know someone else. Who's that? Well, it's the Chicago Bulls. How about you trap a guy, right? You get the ball out of his hands. They went single coverage so many times. They did. They did. But you know, back to the referees, <laughs> Alex Caruso fouled out. For regulation. The same, Billy Donovan. Send a couple of traps. Make someone else beat you. How about that? Billy Donovan on the list. What about Patrick Williams? Patrick Williams, be better. Be better at boxing <laughs> out. That was your assignment. Box out the shooter. How hard could it be? It's quite the list. Is there anybody else who deserves credit for Donovan Mitchell's 71-point game? I think, actually, Vooch should get some credit, too. Why Vooch? Didn't he hit a huge shot there at the end of regulation that if he didn't hit the shot, it wouldn't have gone into overtime. Right. Game would have been over. He would have had less than 71 points. How many points did he score in overtime? 13. He would have ended up with 58. Wouldn't have even gotten to 60. 58? That's like a regular-ass <laughs> yeah. game at that point. It's yeah. a regular-ass game. Talk to me when you get to 60. But Vooch hits that three-pointer at the end of regulation, and now it's a huge game. He goes up 126 to 123. If he doesn't hit that, 
game over. He doesn't get 71. I think Vooch has to be on the list, not just for his interior defense that allowed Mitchell to get into the paint. Or like that rough, yeah. He misses that shot. It's over in regulation. Okay. All right. So to recap. Don't read me this list again. <laughs> You've already said it like five times. I know, but the list keeps growing. Look, we got Kyrie Irving for playing Call of Duty and noticing that he's locked in. We've got Chuck Swirsky for calling the Kobe 81 point game. Wait, wait, you forgot one. You forgot Call of Duty. Yeah, I'm sorry. You got Call of Duty. He might have talked to Donovan Mitchell, but how would we have known that he was locked in if it weren't for the Call of Duty headshots? My apologies to Call of Duty. We got Robin Lopez for boxing out and creating the environment necessary for Donovan Mitchell to score. Quinn Snyder for making him practice missing a free throw at end of game. Just in case you haven't listened to the 18 other times we recited this, Quinn Snyder for the free throw practicing. Yep. The three referees for missing the lane violation. We've got Adam Silver for allowing offenses to flourish and basically allowing guys to score points. We've got NBA rules making it too difficult for teams to defend. Billy Donovan for not sending a double over there to traps to get the ball out of his hands. Patrick Williams for not boxing out. Alex Russo for not being able to defend without fouling. Nick Vucevic for hitting a shot that forced us to a situation where this thing was going to go to overtime. Right. 13 points by Donovan Mitchell to get to 71. Yep. Is there anything else? Mays is saying, please no. There could be more. I just don't want him to list it off again. That's all. <laughs> Here's why I don't think Call of Duty should count. Oh, how do we forget these? What? How could we forget? The injuries to Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. They didn't play in the game. If they had played, you definitely wouldn't have gotten that many shots up. There's no way the 71 happens. Yeah. Do we have 11 yet? Can we just move on? Well, yeah. I was going to say before he brought up the injuries, if you take out Call of Duty, because that's kind of redundant, then you have 11 right there. We have 11. But also, if you take out NBA rules, because that is kind of Adam Silver. It's a book. It's not a person, right? Take that out and then replace with that. Now you got 11. Okay, so here we go. We got Kyrie Irving. It's 11. Was this scoring performance in Donovan Mitchell's DNA? <laughs> we'll get to that. That's a tease, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, that's a tease. So let me let you guys in on a little secret, how the sausage gets made. For big games at ESPN, I remember we would gear our content around the big games. Mm -hmm. When the Lakers are playing the Heat, should we do who's better, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and do like a, a breakdown, right? And we would analyze the game in such a way that would cater to the matchup. This is because we were broadcasting the games and we were ESPN.com. But what we saw on Christmas morning was a totally different animal. How so? It was not analyzing the matchup between the Philadelphia 76ers and the New York Knicks. It was a report from ESPN's Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski. All-star guard James Harden is seriously considering a return to the Houston Rockets in free agency this July. Two dashes. If he decides against a new deal with the Philadelphia 76ers, sources tell. ESPN. I'm confused. It doesn't sound like a news story at all. What is that? It sounds like, hey, this could happen if everything that is already happening doesn't happen. What is that report? <laughs> it's just, I'm sorry. Was there any indication that he wasn't going to get an extension? Why are we reporting this this morning? <gasps> oh, 
Christmas time. NBA countdown on ESPN. Philadelphia is playing. They broke that news 57 minutes before that game was supposed to tip off. And at Woj ESPN tweets a second later after breaking that quote unquote news at 11.03. More on ESPN's NBA countdown in a few minutes. Was there more? I don't think so. <laughs> That's right. My, my favorite thing is when they say more and then they just say the same thing. Run it back. Yep. Say it again. I, for one, enjoy when the tweet contains all the information related to the story. Like me reading the story or me watching NBA Countdown never adds any additional information to what I learned from the tweet. I love it. There's so much happening here. Or there's so much not happening. Or both. <laughs> yeah. But Houston, who is... Currently at the top of the tankathon situation with two young ball dominant guards and Tillman Fertitta who ran James Harden out of town. That doesn't seem like the ideal situation for a homecoming. Daryl Morey is already in Philly. They've already recreated Houston in Philadelphia. What would incentivize him to come home besides off the court <laughs> locations that might hang your jersey in the rafters? Beat me to the punch. <laughs> Despite forcing his way out of the Rockets, Adrian reporting in January 2021, Harden has maintained something of a magnetic pull to Houston. What is that? Something of a magnetic pull to Houston, drawn to the community, lifestyle, and family there, mm. sources said. Lifestyle, doing a lot of work there. So then the story goes through how it would all go down. And James Harden was asked about it after the game, I think. And he was like, what? What, what is this? I don't know why this is out there. This makes no sense. James Harden, the king of the deflection. Yes. Not answering the question, just wondering why nobody wished him a Merry Christmas. Strong move. That's right. And James Harden... Would not know what to do with this story because he hasn't been behind the wall. He hasn't been behind the media side. But as you start to see why that certain report would come out 45 minutes before the tip-off, give everybody content to talk about in this game as if the Philadelphia 76 playing the Knicks isn't a story in of itself, you have to create a storyline about the offseason, free agency, the rumor mill has to be fed constantly. It is a machine. Who cares about the actual game itself? We have to talk about free agency if, 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 then James Harden would seriously consider going back to Houston. And you might say to yourself, okay, that was a one-off. There's more? There's more. Oh, boy. Last year on Christmas Day, ESPN sources... This was the tweet at 1044 in the morning. There's renewed traction on a future in-season tournament in the NBA. The league and union are discussing a structure that includes December pool play, pre-Christmas quarter semis, finals, and $1 million per player payout on a winning team. More next on ESPN's NBA Countdown. Oh, wonder if there was ever more. Because I feel like that was a year ago and that's all the information I have. Right now, a year later. Are we still in traction on this tournament? Renewed traction. Ooh, fresh traction. Yeah, it was traction. It went a little stale, but then they renewed it. And then in 2020, found this one right before the Lakers game. The Lakers have begun engaging with starting point guard Dennis Schroeder. 
in contract extension talks, and those discussions are expected to pick up again as soon as mid-February, sources tell ESPN. Wow. So that's the $84 million extension that Schroeder turned down before accepting a one-year $5.9 million contract with the Celtics. And the Lakers extension, Schroeder later denied being offered. Man, this is like a greatest hits. The previous year before that, in 2019, he broke news about Victor Oladipo hopeful for a return later in the season just before the countdown show. And then 2018, this one was my favorite. Wait, Victor Oladipo never came back that year, by the way, right? I think he might have, but I think the one you're thinking of is the 2018. I mean, Uh, 2018 Christmas was the Woj bomb that Markel Fultz was expecting to return later that season because he got word from his agent, Raymond Brothers, Raymond Brothers told Woj that he was going to come back. And three weeks prior to that report, Raymond Brothers told ESPN that the shoulder ailment was going to only knock him out for three to four weeks. Let the record show that Markel Fultz did not return that season. And it was not in three to four weeks, as his agent told ESPN it would be. So this is one of those stories, like the James Harden one, when I saw it, I was like, what is that report? Why are we doing three layers of conditionals? If he turns down this extension, if they consider it seriously, and if the Houston Rockets would bring him back, this could happen. But as you know, you might be blind to all those things. And that is why we do this show. Well, I was blind, but now I see. Tom, can you clarify something for me? This guy has all the news in the palm of his hand. He's got the breaking news graphics. He's got phrases named after him, the Woj bomb. Christmas is the kickoff of the NBA season in a lot of respects in terms of mainstream attention. Shouldn't he have better news for Christmas? It seems like he's just coming up with content at the last minute, sometimes like we do on this show. (laughs) Well... Well, I think the difference is, you know, you might analyze something or write a column analyzing a matchup or telling you why the Sixers marriage between Joel Embiid and James Harden isn't working out and have some insight baked into that column and having like a strong opinion. But no, it has to be, what do we got? Like I'm imagining in a room being like, what do we have for this Christmas day matchup? Um, ah, shoot. Uh, Can't James Harden be a free agent this summer? Would he go anywhere else? Is there another team that he would go to? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he goes back to lifestyle. Lifestyle. Back in Houston, they would seriously consider it, mulling it internally. And you know what? I take it all back if he actually goes there this summer. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) All of this. (laughs) It would be great. It would also be great if Markel Fultz came back that year and... We actually had traction on a midseason tournament, and Victor Oladipo was back to normal within a few weeks. Oh, man. I think all those things would be awesome. And then Dennis Schroeder, that they've engaged in talks that will happen, that will start to pick up in three months from now. I think we've just discovered that Christmas is the deadest time in the news cycle. <laughs> Nothing yeah. happens at Christmas the last five years.
I'm no scientist. How does DNA work? Deoxyribonucleic acid. Because <laughs> I'm reading and watching this quote from LeBron, and I'm just very confused. After the heat loss, here's what he had to say. I'm a winner, and I want to win. And, um, you know, I want to win and, and give myself a chance to, to, to win and still compete for championships. Um, that has always been my my passion has always been my goal since I entered the league at an 18-year-old kid out of Akron, Ohio. And I know it takes steps to get there. But once you get there and you know how to get there, um, playing basketball at this level just to be playing basketball is not, it's not in my DNA. It's not in my DNA um, anymore. So, you know, We'll see what happens and see how, how fresh my mind stays over the, over the next couple of years. I didn't know he was an 18-year-old out of Akron, Ohio. Didn't know that. News to you. That's the first I'm hearing of it. Maybe Woj should have broke that on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> this just in. Let me just get this straight. I'm a winner and I want to win. And I want to win and give myself a chance to win and still compete for championships. That's always been my passion. That has always been my goal. Well, that makes sense. I'm with him there. Since I entered the league... As an 18-year-old kid out of Akron, Ohio. Out of Akron. Yeah, out of Akron. Mm -hmm. He could have just said, since I entered the league. Yeah. And ended that sentence there. Well, I mean, I think he wants to impress upon us that, remember, he was 18 when he came in. And by the way, he didn't turn 19 until December that year. So he started, he was actually 18 only for like two months, right? He entered it as an 18-year-old. Entered an 18-year-old, yeah. He's right. He's right. Out of Akron, Ohio. I know... It takes steps to get there. But once you get there and know how to get there, playing basketball at this level just to be playing basketball is not in my DNA. You know what? I agree. I mean, that sounds like it's in his DNA to win and to play at a high level. That makes sense to me. Or at least play meaningful games. Yeah. This is the part where I think is very interesting. Me and my buddy George Sedano came up with the term a long time ago. That LeBron doesn't leave breadcrumbs, he leaves whole loaves of bread. Subtlety is not one of his strong suits when it comes to these kind of subversive hints. And so when he talks about playing games just to play them and how he needs to be in a winning environment, what are you guys hearing? Are you guys hearing, get me the hell out of here after the season when I'm eligible to be traded again? Or are you hearing, get me help? Trade the picks. That's what I'm hearing. I am envisioning the I think you should leave sketch where he's dressed up as the old man in the mall. And he <laughs> says, I just don't want to be around anymore. That's the type of vibes that are coming off of this quote. It's not in my DNA, which is confusing because either the DNA got altered or mutated. Yeah. Well, then he says, it's not in my DNA anymore. Anymore, it was. Yeah. It was in his DNA. It was. He's editing his DNA. But he's too old for this shit. So when was it in his DNA to just roll out the basketball? and When he was an 18-year-old kid out of Akron. Akron, Ohio. And apparently for a long time. But, I mean, you're asking the right question. What is the hidden messaging? What's he trying to tell us, for real? I think either. I think he's saying, make this a better situation right now, or I will not be here anymore. Mm. He also brought up retirement, and I think he threw out that as like a threat to the Lakers organization. He's like, ooh, love a threat. If you guys don't get me help, if you don't trade Russ in those two picks, then I'm just going to hang him up. That's it. 
go Tom Brady on this and just be like, I'm, I'm done, but I'm not really done. And then I'm going to sign in Cleveland with my son. And be responsible for Donovan Mitchell's next 70-point outburst. It's a conspiracy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.